Uh, what's up, world? Welcome back to another episode of Just Grow It, the podcast. Today, I am joined by Rebecca Verm from LBJ Community Farm. What's up, Rebecca? How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for taking time out of your day to hop on the show. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is cool, man. Thank you. All right, so how did you first get into gardening? Oh, gosh. Like a decade ago? Okay. Kind of uh, very oddly. Like I grew up with my grandparents, like my grandpa on my dad's side had cattle and my grandma always had a big garden in her yard, like at least a quarter acre, it seems. But I never thought about gardening or farming. It just was kind of on the sidelines until I was, I was graduating from UT in the middle of the recession back in like 2008, 2009. And I was thinking about like taking the LSAT and I was going to apply to law school, but I got really intimidated about taking out loans with like everything being crazy. You know, like I didn't have that kind of money and it seemed like a huge commitment. And a friend of mine came over one day and just mentioned this program, WOOF, which is the Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms. Basically just like an international organization that connects people to farmers in different countries, depending on where you want to go. And she was like, do you want to like take off for a year with me and like go work on these farms instead? (laughs) And they said, yes. (laughs) Okay. So where did you end up? Yeah. (laughs) That's the appropriate reaction because everybody, I mean, I had a lot of support, but I think everybody thought we were crazy too, which we probably were. We ended up, we flew into Ecuador because, so she's Argentinian and she had, has family in Argentina that she wanted to visit anyway. So she was like, well, if we're going to go somewhere, why don't we go to South America? And then that gives us a reason to like, you know, bust down eventually to Argentina and we can stay with my grandparents who I haven't seen in years. And I was like, I don't really, yeah, sure. Why not? Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, I wanted to practice my Spanish. So, (laughs) So, yeah, so we started out in Ecuador for about a month and a half. And that was actually the very first farm we went to was just like, oh, man, I'm going to try not to be too long winded here. But it was called Never Neverland. What? Yeah. (laughs) It was run by an expat from the U.S., but she wasn't even there. She had like gifted it to this Ecuadorian couple um, to just take care of while she, I guess, was visiting her son back in the States. And it was kind of a wild place. It was the first place where I ever read about permaculture. And she had these other gardening books and there was like original, not original, but like copies of some of the first writings of, oh gosh, I'm going to forget his name, Rupert Steiner, I think, who did the biodynamics, like the the farming that's like really involved in like astrology and different kinds of uh, procedures and stuff like that. Um, and I, I don't know, I was just kind of blown away by it. And in the meantime, like we were living with this Ecuadorian couple that was just like every morning getting up and like going out and we'd like plant yuca and harvest avocado. And they were some of the hardest workers I'd ever met. And we were like really generous with their like patience and understanding for <laughs> two stupid Americans like, coming to a farm with like zero experience at all. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> 
a little bit cringy looking back on it, but that was kind of what propelled me. And we stayed in South America for about a year traveling together. We, She and I eventually split ways after Argentina because she had some other places she wanted to go. And then I stayed on a farm in Chile for several months. And, and that was a biodynamic farm. And that was kind of a wild ride. So when I came back to the States, I confessed to my parents I had zero intention of going to law school and I wanted to figure out how to be a farmer and and yeah (laughs) what was your parents reaction when you told them that you wanted to be a farmer like forget law school I want to be a farmer you know surprisingly supportive they I think that they were surprised yeah they were surprised and um yeah they were concerned <laughs> like, are you really? Do you really want to be a farmer? Is this right? Exactly. But you know, I started my first actions when I got back to Houston. Was like I started going to all the farmers markets I could find and just trying to talk to the farmers that would sell at those markets and you know figure out like what was the farming scene in Houston like. And I took a job at a coffee shop, um, and that was actually you know being a barista is probably one of the things that actually helped get me into farming because you just meet so many different people on a daily basis. Oh, I didn't think about that. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like you, you meet so many different people and they're talking to you about your day and eventually some of them, you know, you talk to them about your day. If you open up to them and, you know, talk I, anybody that would listen, I was just like, yeah, farming, farming, farming. <laughs> <laughs> it ended up connecting me to some of my first farming jobs in the Gulf Coast area and and um, it, it turned out it, it stuck. And my parents saw that I was like really putting in the work. So they, you know, they kind of, you know, just were encouraging of what I needed to do and what I was trying to do. And other people still thought I was crazy. But, you know, a decade later. <laughs> yeah. Who's laughing now? Who's crazy now? Probably still me. <laughs> no, no, no. You're, you're crazy smart because the future is in farming and, and agriculture. I hope at least. Yeah, I, I think so. Mm-hmm. So would you say you got your love for farming that came uh, during your trip, I guess, through Central America and South America? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, like, I remember my grandma always having fresh produce and I just loving her food. Like, we always, my brother and I always got excited to eat at her house without ever making the connection to like specifically it being homegrown produce. Like, you know, the the typical example people give is like homegrown tomatoes and stuff, but they really do taste different than store-bought tomatoes. And I think when I finally started putting in the work myself uh, in that year away from Houston and realizing like how, how these, the folks who are in agriculture were also just like super savvy, like could tell me about the weather days before it hit, like without, you know, had all this insight to like ecology and like patterns of animals and stuff and could like identify every kind of plant and just like, and it was just like a really inspiring and grounding experience. And I've always liked working with my hands. And so that was something that I was like, yeah, I don't really want to be in an office. I kind of want to figure out what this might be because I like it. So. Yeah, definitely. It grew my inspiration from there. Okay. Hey, what kind of law would you have practiced? Oh, man. You know, honestly, like I hadn't really thought it out that much. I was, yeah, I mean, I was leaning towards like, you know, social justice or like environmental laws, but 
And it's kind of embarrassing. I mean, I really had it. I was just like, I don't know. I was a philosophy major at UT. So it was like, what else are you going to do except go be a lawyer? Okay. <laughs> I wasn't doing a good job planning my future. No, but, well, I'm, I don't know. I mean, who does it? You just live, right? You're just living and your experiences send you to where you're supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. 100%. That's what I think. I don't know. <laughs> We're all figuring it out every day. That's it. That's all you can do. Oh, man. So where is LBJ Community Farm located? LBJ Community Farm is located on the LBJ Hospital campus, which for those who aren't uh, super familiar with the Houston area, uh, LBJ Hospital is the sister hospital to Ben Chaub, which is one of the major trauma hospitals in the med center. So LBJ Community Farm at the hospital is in the northeast um, area of Houston, like basically 610 north and 59 north in that little wedge area. And we have about a two acre piece of property right adjacent to the hospital. So it's like the main hospital and then the outpatient center and the parking garage. And then we're right, we're right there. <laughs> how did you guys, how did you end up at a hospital? I don't know that I've ever heard of a farm at a hospital, you know? Yeah. <laughs> how does that happen? Right. So it's funny because it kind of happened, I think in like two different directions. I, so throughout the, like the last decade, I farmed for a bunch of different um, individuals and, and like even a nonprofit, but I, for, I had a small stint where I was running my own urban farm. And while I was running my own urban farm, I actually got contacted by Harris Health System to put on very short, like 30 minute luncheons for their clinicians and nurses and staff, whoever wanted to show up on just like local produce and healthy eating. So it's kind of funny because then like five years later, two uh, friends and colleagues of mine in the ag world, uh, Tommy and Dan Garcia Pratt, who run the Finca Tres Robles farm in Houston, they had been in conversation via, I mean, those guys are really passionate about the Houston community. So um, they had gotten connected to somebody at LBJ who was interested in starting the farm. Uh, Dr. Hilary Ma, who is chief of oncology there through MD Anderson. Um, he had just come out to visit the Finca farm and they started talking and they had a really great conversation. And so they brought them in as, as consultants and maybe like a year or so into the project, Tommy and Dan reached out to me and they said, you know, the hospital is looking to hire a farmer and they've had a few people that got really close, but every time it was either like moving somebody from out of state in and they didn't want to move or something like that at the last minute. They Anyway, it was just like a series of unfortunate events trying to hire a farmer. And they're like, we really just need, we really need somebody to, who knows Gulf Coast farming to make this work because we're, you know, it's in such a new thing, like you're saying, a, a farm at a hospital and especially a public hospital, you know. Okay. You know, yeah, it's not like a private hospital that has potentially more money and better income sources like this is the Harris County Hospital District. So it's taxpayer funded and we are considered the safety net hospital for the entire county, meaning, you know, whether you have insurance or not, 
that system is there to support and help and make sure that healthcare is provided to everybody. So, you know, <laughs> if, if someone's going to do the farm, it has to be done right. And it should be, you know, Gulf Coast Ag. And I had been uh, looking to make a career change. I've been farming for a nonprofit and um, I'd been there for three and a half years, but the farm was kind of taking off. And my role there was, you know, I could have continued, but it felt like it was time to move on and let somebody else take over that role. And so I agreed. And it's been uh, just over two years this past March that I've been with LBJ. Okay, that was my next question. How old is the farm? How long has it been operational? Yeah, so officially since April of 2018. And it started like literally just the former EVP of the hospital, Alan Vierling, and uh, Dr. Ma, who I mentioned earlier, and then another gentleman, Chris White, literally just like going out there after work and like tilling up soil and like watching YouTube videos and trying to figure out how to <laughs> which like kudos to them <laughs> yeah you gotta admire it right and love the ambition <laughs> I mean seriously if a farm is gonna start it's, yeah it's that like sweat and grit involved and they had so they and they rallied other people that worked at LBJ to volunteer and they they held a bunch of volunteer mornings where they put together like their raised garden beds for the community garden area but then also like they you know got the hospital to commit money and part of its budget to developing it and they bought like a BCS walk behind tractor and were like I mean <laughs> official now yeah they were serious <laughs> and so it started out just like a community garden that was volunteer run and a few months into that they realized that they needed more than just volunteer work if they were going to really grow produce. So that's when they decided they wanted it to be more on the production side. You know, I think there are a lot of gardens out there that do a lot of production too. So farm versus garden, but like really just like make sure that they were producing quantities of produce that would be usable by the hospital program. Ah, that's where the produce goes. That's where I was going next. The produce that you grow, where does it end up? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it ends up at our food pharmacies that we have at two of our clinics in Houston. So one at Strawberry Clinic in Pasadena and one at the Acres Clinic in Acres Homes. And we are launching the LBJ Food Pharmacy this spring. And all of those are in partnership with the Houston Food Bank. So the Houston Food Bank sets them up, provides the produce. And then on our end, it's different from just a typical pantry because it's for patients in our system who, there are two identifiers. One is um, anybody who screens for food insecurity that comes through our clinics is automatically offered produce to take home that day. But if you also, if you screen food in, for food insecurity and then you are also eligible via, because you have sort of a, a chronic illness that you're dealing with with your clinician in the Harris Health System, specifically we target uh, right now they're working with our pre-diabetic population um, with the intention of like we want to support our community that is food insecure. We want to help give or direct them towards resources that could be helpful. So like this program, if you enroll in it, it's a voluntary thing. Patients choose to do it if they want, but they get set up with a a CAP coordinator to get on SNAP benefits. They're connected to utility help 
housing help as well. And then they're also paired with a health educator and professional dietitian. So when they come pick up their produce every other week, it's 30 pounds of fresh fruits and vegetables. They have someone they can talk to about like, what are they receiving and how can they cook it? How can they integrate it into recipes they already like? Uh, mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. What's up, world? I hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, then you should head over to YouTube and subscribe to the Big City Gardener YouTube channel. I'm going to have videos to go along with a lot of these podcasts. And besides that, over there, I give you a bunch of information to help you just grow it and even to help you just grow it better. All right, let's get back to the show. So does the, I guess the fact, does the fact that the food goes to the food pharmacy, does that influence what you grow? Oh, 100%. Yeah. What do you normally grow? Like what, what does, yeah, let's go through every season. What does a fall look like? What produce? Oh man, super greens heavy. So the two things that we look to when we're, we're making decisions is one, what are things that we, that the Houston food bank can't provide very readily? So like, fresh greens is often a challenge for them just because it requires specific storage that they may or may not have the capacity for. So going to those fresher products. And then the other side is with our, in conjunction with our population health colleagues in the hospital system, at really just like serving the patients who enroll in the system and saying like, you know, what did you enjoy most out of your, you know, your share last week? You know, what, what are things that you ended up maybe throwing away because you didn't know how to use them or, and or didn't like the way they taste or what are things that you really wish you had more of and going along that. So fall is like pretty greens heavy because it's just easy um, to do that kind of stuff. We do some larger brassicas, but because we have such a small growing space, my mentality is what can we get producing the fat? that doesn't take up too much of our land space. So like broccoli is a little bit hard for us, but we can do like broccolini, like the little broccoli sticks instead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. All right. What about then when spring and summer, what are you producing? Definitely tomato heavy. <laughs> Everybody loves tomatoes. We do um, a lot of collard greens and mustard greens. And then things like, like honestly, like squash and cucumbers and peppers. They're just like are universally loved produce. It's easy for us to grow. We try to find the varieties that will be the most prolific so that we can have higher yields. But we're slowly also starting to try to do more perennials. So crops that grow year round, like the cactus Nepal, we try to do that. We are about ready to purchase bulk of uh, fruit. So we'll be doing blueberries and blackberries and strawberries and then a lot of citrus too. So hoping to be able to add that to our our inventory over the next couple of years. And one more time, you said you're doing all this on two acres, right? Yeah. Nice. (laughs) I like it. Yeah. Yeah. So how much land, I guess, will be dedicated for the fruit production versus like, I don't know, traditional row crops or greens or anything like that? Yeah, definitely. So between three quarters and an acre of annual row crops that we have dedicated and we'll end up with just about an acre of fruit tree production and really working with the Garcia Pratt. And we've also, um, I, I used to be a landscaper as well. And so I've tapped into some of my landscaping friends in the Houston area to say like, 
you know, how can we really maximize the space that we have out here? And we'll be putting in a walking path and essentially like the whole outer perimeter of the farm will be, will end up being filled with uh, sort of a polyculture and interplanting of different fruit species so that we can try to maximize production as much as possible in that little space. I like it. The walking path, it's going to go around the perimeter or through the whole property. Yeah, eventually so. We want people... You know, a lot of the clinicians and nurses already walk around the hospital for their breaks to get in, um, you know, get in some exercise and fresh air. And so it's sort of like we see them walking through the parking lot every day. And it's like, well, they should just have a way to walk through the farm instead of having to walk by cars. So we're working on that. We're hoping to have that pathway completed and accessible to, you know, patients as well as our staff members because we, you know, this is for everybody by fall of this year. So do you have a lot of, I guess, hospital workers who come out to the farm and still volunteer? You know, we we have. We, before COVID kind of uh, really took the wind out of our sails for a minute, especially because being a healthcare center, it, it was just crazy for everybody who was working. Um, we actually ended up, instead of asking them to come out to the farm, we started a healthcare appreciation mini CSA where we bought honey from a local honey producer and local coffee and then had the vegetables that were surplus from the farm and a few other goodies and every week we would have department leaders submit names of workers they thought deserve like should you know were in, in need of an, a reward or a treat especially when covid was really um when we were really in the in the deep of it all and uh we would give out Ten of those gift baskets every week, and we did that for about six months during the beginning of the pandemic, and had a really good reception. And then things kind of slowed down, and now we're starting to talk about opening it back up. And actually, we have a, a couple of groups of residents that will be starting with some volunteer days, and uh, we'll slowly open that up to more hospital staff. And then I'm really looking forward to by this fall, especially with the vaccine rollout, being able to open it back up to our community as well. Do you think? that I guess post-COVID people will pay more attention to the food that they put into their body? You know, that's, yeah, I mean, oof, tricky question. I I hope so, but I I also hope that like our policymakers and our business leaders in the community will pay more attention to the fact that there is still a huge access problem in Houston and you know the urban farmers in particular but farmers in general on the Gulf Coast that I know I think do a fantastic job trying to help serve the different communities that they work in but it's it just feels like it's still such a small drop in the bucket. I guess my hope is that for people who have means and people who are kind of in political control will not soon forget the grocery store debacles and the supply chain debacles and, you know, how much the Houston Food Bank itself had to step in. And I mean, like, they really did a phenomenal job. But I know that those, I mean, the people that I know there, it's just like they're <laughs> they're really running as fast as they can and and it's not something that is sustainable in the long run so it's like what are we going to do as a society to ensure that everybody has access 
to good food. Uh, that's the change I hope to see moving forward. How do we get more people to understand the importance of urban farms and urban farming? Oh, gosh. So one, I think, and I am seeing it more and more in Houston, like when I first started a decade ago, one, I was also new and probably a little bit, a lot more naive. So, but I like what I'm seeing this with the more urban farms that are popping up in Houston and the farmers talking to each other. Is I think that one, us, we as farmers and gardeners, anybody involved in food, like the more that we can like talk and collaborate with each other, the stronger we'll be as a community. This can't be done by one person or one farm. It's got to be a collective action on all fronts. And then, too, I would say it's the folks who value the good food that they're able to access, making themselves aware, trying to learn about the privilege it is to have access to good food and how they can get involved in their own communities, how they can support urban farming. You know, if they already support a farm, that's great. Can you, like, talk about it? Can you tweet about it? Can you... I don't know, like right now we're in a Texas legislative session and there are a bunch of really great bills uh, that are going through the House and Senate just in Texas that impact local agriculture in all the regions of Texas. And being able to call up your representatives, say that, you know, this is really important to me. This is why, you know, supporting the expansion of SNAP benefits and not, you know, the collapse of it. I know that I just said like five. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. No, I'm listening because I like to hear everybody's answer to this question. Yeah. So for me, I would say if I'm going to simplify what I was just going on about, it's like I want the Gulf Coast farming community to be able to like talk to each other and help each other out. And I think that we're doing a pretty good job. I think that like, I see a lot of collaborations I see on Instagram and on Twitter, like farmers going and visiting other farmers and posting about it. And like, I mean, I, that's really, really cool. And I think that once COVID, once people are vaccinated and there's more opportunity, like just being able to get back together again. For example, we have a farmer's market at the farm, but it's been drive through just because of safety procedures with the hospital. And so, you know, there is something that's lacking when you're not able to just like walk up to a farm stand and like talk to somebody. You've got to like stay in your vehicle and it feels a little bit more isolating. Right. Um, so I think just like getting back to the real roots of farming, which is like community support and community care and that that will be part of the catalyst. And then hopefully people are just sick of the way things used to be. So they start like seeking out better things and are, are more proactive about speaking up because we have to, we have to speak up if we want to see anything change across the board, whether it's farming or, or other issues that we're really uh, close to. Okay. See, I have a dream that, or yeah, it's a dream. I wish every neighborhood had some sort of farm, had their own LBJ community farm for a Montrose area, a fifth ward, an acres home to where you knew where your food I guess where it was coming from and you would know the farmer and things like that and I just wanted to hear your answer to see if there was a way we could collaborate and make both of our dreams come true I you know man 
I think that we are getting there. And part of it too is just like the youth education. The farmers that I, I see who are, are taking time out of their farm schedules or production schedules to make sure that they're able to bring schools out or just, you know, having youth from the community be involved and get to experience the joy of, you know, it's, it's hard work. I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend like it's just like, you know, frolicking in the field all day long. Like it's really hard work. <laughs> But but there's also like a special joy and pride that comes from that sustainability aspect and sharing pe- with people. And like at the end of the day, like being able to share a meal, too, is I think the best way to get to know your neighbors. And that's what farming is about. So, you know, I would love to see a thousand farms. I want, you know, I, I don't want like huge farms. I want to see a whole slew community of farmers all working together in all the different neighborhoods and being able to invite people out to their farms. I think that that would be fantastic. Yeah, me too. I just I just don't know how to get there. <laughs> I don't know how to get there. I want to get there, though, because, I, you know, I know the importance of fresh, healthy food, right, or fresh food mm-hmm. and fresh produce. I also know just the uh, the benefits of being around nature, being at the garden, being at a farm, just breathing it in and seeing it. Uh, mm-hmm. I know it's connected to more than just growing it. It's like it has a, I don't know, it does something to your mind when you just get to spend that much time in nature. And I just want everybody to have that ability, have access to that. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, man, if we're going to get specifics, it's like, I, and I don't even, I don't feel like I'm even that educated about it. And it's been something that I've been concerned about as a farmer, but like land access and trying to compete with developers in Houston, Yeah, that's hard. And that's real but I mean there's got to be something that we can do and that's kind of where I go back to it's like if we can like start rebuilding our community after this pandemic not that I mean there's still a lot of community spirit out there there's still a lot of I mean there's so much community work that's been going on if we can bring it back to the joy and especially like the farmers be able to start bringing folks back out to their farms again and just have yeah I don't know (laughs) keep supporting the farmers that you are supporting I'll say that much (laughs) yeah do you feel like Houston supports the urban agriculture urban farming scene very well I do okay. I do but I also think that you know we have such a huge how many people are we now out of too many <laughs> <laughs> what's up world I hope you're enjoying the show if you are then you should head over to YouTube and subscribe to the big city gardener YouTube channel gonna have videos to go along with a lot of these podcasts and besides that over there I give you a bunch of information to help you just grow it and even to help you just grow it better all right, let's get back to the show. <laughs> and, you know, and I wonder, like, how many people are we all feeding? You know, at least one is more than zero. And that might seem a little cynical to say, but we got to start somewhere. So, yeah, I think the people who are invested and involved in Houston urban farming do a good job supporting it. And I think that the urban farmers that I've seen, like, Man, there, if there is ever a time to decide to just throw your hands up and quit being a farmer, I think <laughs> this global pandemic <laughs> with like the hurricanes and the flooding and the winter storm, Yuri, like what? Yep. And I haven't seen that. I have not seen the tenacity. I haven't seen the passion in the farmers that I know in the Gulf Coast area. Like I have not seen it dwindle. In fact, I've seen them get 
rowdier, you know, really lean into the community and really double down on the work that they're doing to keep it alive and flourishing in Houston. So, you know, Houstonians got grit. We don't give up very easily. Mm -hmm. That's the truth. So how do we compete with what is the secret, right, to being able to compete with the developers for land access? Do you know the secret? Maybe I should ask that question. I feel like if I knew the secret, <laughs> it'd be a very different conversation. Yeah, for one. So I will say, like, as part of the LBJ Community Farm, I've been really honored and blessed to be a part of the Hajmir Gardens Complete Communities process that the city of Houston's done in different super neighborhoods and working with, um, so Cashmere Gardens is our super neighborhood to the south and Trinity Houston Gardens is the super neighborhood to our north where the farm is located. And just within those communities, like there's so much advocacy for re-envisioning green space and including parks and having vegetables growing in gardens as part of those parks. I know in, in the east end where I live, in Magnolia Park, like there's a lot of that work too. And I think in part it's because a, a whole cataclysm of things are coming together. You know, people are sick of the flooding and we need more green spaces to mitigate that flooding so that we don't have these like rain events. I love that they call them a rain event. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> you mean the flood or the rain event? <laughs> the rain event. <laughs> So I think that it's that. I think that it's the awareness of like wanting access and that access to good food doesn't have to be this, you know, ridiculously expensive thing. And, you know, we don't necessarily need like parking lots everywhere and um i'm gonna make so many people angry if i keep <laughs> <laughs> so that you know what i'm gonna stop you and we'll just ask the next question then yeah okay <laughs> so you mentioned kind of like farmers urban farmers gardeners everybody coming together how do you create like some sort of network to where all of these farmers and gardeners can be connected yeah that's a really great question well i think one it starts by what I've already seen over the years and what I continue to see is just like farmers find, you know, social media, I'm not great at it, but uh, it's where I've met a lot of people. It's one really cool way to stay inspired and positive about the work that we're doing. And so I think that seeing farmers go and visit each other, I think is an opportunity for a more like grounded organization to maybe try to spearhead that community connection. But honestly, I think it's just like us being able to get back together again and like not have to worry about like, hey, do you want to come over and have lunch on my farm? Or like, like after the farmer's market, can we all get together and like have a potluck and just like know each other? Because I, I think that's really where it is. It's, even if there was a big organization, like there's some for the state and whatnot, and they do a great job statewide, but for our local community, we just, I think we just need to be able to get back into being safe, gathering in groups and, and being able to see each other and hang out. And, and we can do that because farms are outside too. So, yeah. I think that's a great idea. I think somebody, I don't know who, 
But somebody should try to put, I don't know, something like that together, just connecting everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know that like there are a couple of farmers that I know and we've there have been ideas about like starting a Google group so that people can stay connected. And right now it's mostly just been talk about funding for recovery and making sure the farms that have been impacted by disaster, whether it's COVID related or the winter storm related stuff are making are aware that these financial aids exist so that they can get the, the help that they need. But yeah, hopefully that just transitions more back into I don't know what normal is really, but you know, whatever whatever that can be where we can feel comfortable meeting new people and not, you know, putting ourselves and our family and our immediate community in danger by, you know, going out and seeing people and talking and hanging out again. That's what it's all about. Okay. All right. So I have uh, my question back to the farm. When you first came on over there, what the farm looks like now, is that what you envisioned when you first started over there at the LBJ Community Farm? Oh, man, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) I know. No, but but in a much better way. I think the thing that has stayed consistent with every farm I've ever worked on, whether it was my own urban farm or other farms that I've, you know, just been employed by, is that the vision that I, you know, feel like is going on day one evolves, you know, maybe three, four, five, ten, twenty times. <laughs> because there's just so many factors and and honestly the hardest part about farming is like you need to get produce growing right because you got to sell it so that you can keep growing produce and it's like you know it's sort of chicken and the egg situation but to know a piece of land and like know how the water flows and the I've gotten myself in so much trouble like not paying attention or not understanding water flow and drainage and just like making rows that end up like a soup bowl (laughs) whenever a rainy season comes, you know? Right. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's definitely been an evolution. We've even like redone parts of the farm, like redisked up so that we could kind of change how things are oriented. And then it's also because we are a community farm, you know, I am employed by the hospital system. It is a county farm and we are there to serve the community and serve the food pharmacies. It's like people come in with their ideas and we talk to our partners in the super neighborhoods and it's like, what kinds of resources can we create on this farm that would support the actions you already have going on and support the work that the community is already doing? And so over those, you know, over the years of those conversations, it's like, oh, we could do this and we could do that. We like need a pavilion so that we can, you know, be out of the rain and the sun when we want to have, you know, gatherings and community meetings and stuff. And so then it, you know, it, it takes form and then you find the money to make it happen. And I'm really fortunate to say, you know, LBJ, the farm that we have now is, is very fortunate in terms of the resources that are available to us. So I don't lose sight of that. It's not every day that you can have that I've ever had a farm that's so connected and like, you know, designed in a way that things kind of fit together really well. Sometimes, you know, most farmers are bootstrapping it. So just really excited to be able to share that with the community now that we're finishing building out. And yeah. So now what does 
I guess like when you close your eyes and envision the farm in five years, what does it look like? Oh, I want it to be almost invisible from the outside. Like I want there to be so many fruit trees and I want them to be growing so, so full. Like I want you to be able to see a pathway. I want there to be like a big welcoming gate with a sign that like draws you in. But I want it to just kind of be this like experience when you like first walk up and you're like going through these fruit trees and perennial plants and like even like native grasses and stuff because it doesn't all have to be food. Like we need the whole ecosystem. Right. And then I want it to just open up to this farm with all of these, an acre of crop rows. And what you see behind it is a hospital. And it's just like, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I like the vision. <laughs> I want it. I want it to be something that really knocks people's socks off because the kind of, you know, it's like you clearly have farming and gardening in your blood. And it's like you, your whole world work is about supporting that community what i want the farm at lbj to do is take people who don't have that necessarily who aren't already programmed and and passionate about farming and i want them to be able to come to lbj and be like holy cow (laughs) wait this is agriculture like this is what growing food can be like like all right now i'm paying attention and if we can at least start the conversation there I think that we'll we'll be doing good work with the farm. Yeah, I think that's what it takes a lot of times is you have to expose people to it. And then once they get out there, like you just said, and they see it, they breathe it. It's hard to, I don't know, when you get into a beautiful place like that in nature and everything's just clicking the way it should, it's hard to look at that and not be inspired and motivated and want to be a part of it. Exactly. 100%. I completely agree. Hey, so you said back when you were, we're going to go back now. When you said you were in uh, Ecuador and you were worked on a biodiverse farm, learned about permaculture. Did you take those principles with you up here to the LBJ farm? Yeah, absolutely. I actually, I got my permaculture certificate when I first came back and I was just working as a barista. I wanted to keep learning more about farming. So I found a nonprofit in Houston, Urban Harvest, offered that class and I was able to complete it. And through, honestly, like the class was great, but more importantly, like I found mentors and uh, other folks in the Houston area who were trying to do that kind of work. And I learned a lot more just from like hanging out with them and, you know, working on gardens together, how I got my landscaping jobs. Um, I worked for a permaculture landscape designer for a little bit. And it's just a constant learning process, I think. I I, I still, like there are farmers that I I follow on Instagram specifically because I'm like, okay, what are you up to? (laughs) Like, how are you designing? What are you thinking? Like, how are you problem solving? because you know ecosystems land it's all dynamic it's constantly changing and evolving and you know we're learning how to be better stewards of it and you've just I don't know and it's also that curiosity that keeps me farming like it still is interesting and fascinating and exciting especially when I'm learning from other people so it's still a constant evolution for me. I think that's one thing I definitely love about gardening and agriculture is you will always learn you can never be an expert because there's always more to learn. You know exactly what you were saying it's like I tried to to be 
careful about getting too dogmatic about how I do things and thinking that I have the answer and know everything because I feel like those are the times when I've gotten trapped and have, you know, not been a great problem solver or made some silly mistakes that, you know, we learn from our mistakes. So that's okay too. But staying humble because ultimately, no matter what, like Mother Nature is going to make you humble in this profession. Yeah, <laughs> that's the truth. Okay. Okay. So I guess what's the next big project or I guess next big thing you guys working on with the community farm up there? Yeah, the the next big piece of the puzzle, well, so we have the whole acre of uh, vegetable production, row crop, that's cultivated and ready, and we're in our, technically our third season with that, so the next step is going to be getting the fruit trees in, so we still have a whole acre of fruit trees, and looking to have those be open to, like, actual just community volunteer days, so that people can come out and get involved and see the farm, but then really looking back towards our our super neighborhood partners and getting partnering with them to bring the community out whether it's having just community meetings held at the farm and maybe able to you know have produce there to share potluck style or whatnot but then start to bring the staff from LV Day Hospital and like doing events that kind of merge the community with like our clinicians and our residents to kind of, you know, we, we say that the, the farm on the hospital campus is trying to take the hospital healthcare system outside of its own walls. And so, yeah, I guess that's the next biggest thing is like manifesting that and like really getting our providers and our staff out hanging out with the community so that we can all get to know each other and work together and, you know, form something that's going to be more of a lasting legacy than just one farmer trying to build a farm. It's, it's got to be the community thing because whether I'm at LBJ or not, like it's more than me. It's about, you know, creating something bigger for the whole community. How many people do you have working with you on the farm? One other person. <laughs> so you're out there running the acre by yourself. Yeah, I have a very spirited young woman who just graduated from Sam Houston in plant and soil sciences, actually, which is super cool because I didn't know that that was a thing when I was growing up. <laughs> but um, yeah, she is out there with me and it's just the two of us right now, but we are hoping as part of like, as part of what we're doing with this farm, we've also put and documented a lot of our processes and our growth and success stories and things that like we would avoid doing in the future is what we want to do. And we have a lot of support from Harris Health System leadership, which is phenomenal, is demonstrate to Harris Health leadership, here's how we could expand this farm. Like this two-acre farm at LBJ is great, but like what if we had a farm at every hospital, at every clinic? Or like what if we put together a large production farm for the county, you know, like 10 acres, 20 acres? What would that look like? What would it take? How could we scale this smaller model to be larger? And thus also gives opportunity to educate and employ more people in this field, whether it's you want to be the actual farmer tending the field? Great. Do you want to do marketing and social media and promotion for us? Great. Do you want to be an educator? Do you want to be, you know, there's so many facets to farming that's more than just like putting seeds in the soil. And I think that we could really create 
opportunities for community development and job creation and economic development. Oh, yes. 100%. I agree (laughs) with everything you just said. It's almost like a little training program, just an introduction to farming and everything farming related. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Like you just said, show people there's more than putting a seed in the soil. Yeah. And, and I think that, that going back to kind of what you were saying about how do we get people invested in urban farming? It's like being able to show the full spectrum of what we do. And one of my passion projects personally is just try to run a social media thing that talks about farmers as scientists and farmers as like activists and stuff. And like it's a profession that has a lot of dignity and it has a wide range of ways people can protect participate in it. And I think the more we're able to tell that story and expand people's perspectives of what it means to be a farmer, it's not just, you know, the old stereotype of old McDonald on his farm, that we bring it into the modern world and make it much more relevant and interesting and feasible for people to want to get involved. And then that's how we really start to take off as urban farming communities across the region. You just put a smile on my face because that's kind of what I'm trying to do, right? I want to expose as many people to gardening, to farming, to everything in between, right? From this podcast to whatever, Big City Gardener to, I don't know, I want to go out to these farms and document it so everybody can see it. So to hear you say that is super cool. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Well, and I mean, you know, you're doing a really great job. I think having folks like you who are willing to tell the stories and, you know, open up the the world of farming to just the average individual it's like yeah <laughs> this is great and getting and getting people excited about it like yeah it's got to be a joyful thing that's cool all right well i'm out of questions and i want to say thank you for taking the time out of your day i know you could be out there at the farm thanks for hopping on the show oh it's absolutely my pleasure thank you so much for having me no pro- oh wait wait before i go will you tell everybody where they can find you online please Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, there's no official social media for the LBJ Community Farm, but I document it on um, Instagram at Stone and Grown with Love. So S-O-W-N-A-N-D-G-R-O-W-N with Love. Yeah, you can find out all about the LBJ Community Farm there. We're also on Facebook, uh, Stone and Grown, HTX. Uh, and we'll be posting for volunteer and community events there. So that's where you can find us. For everybody listening to the show, I will link all of the social media and I guess where you can find Rebecca and everything going on with LBJ Community Farm in the show notes below. Yeah, once again, thank you very much for taking the time to be on the show. I really appreciate it. And I really enjoyed the conversation. Likewise. Thank you so much. Cool. Have a great day. And that was Rebecca Verm from LBJ Community Farm here in Houston in a neighborhood on the north side in between Cashmere and Trinity Gardens. Those both happen to be food deserts. And I happen to have a community garden in the Cashmere Garden area. So it was super cool. And I was really excited to have this conversation with Rebecca. So thank you for tuning in and check out next week. See who we have. Have a great day. Just grow it. Before I let you go, I need you to do more than one thing. First, I need you to like, comment, subscribe to the podcast. Second, I need you to tell a friend or two about the show if you enjoyed it. And if you have anybody you think I need to talk to, I should interview. Send the name over, put it in the comments, or send me an email. I grow at Big City Gardener. And check me out, man, on Instagram and on all social media platforms, Big City Gardener. We out. Oh. Almost forgot. Just grow it.